Oh, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I, of course, am Mr. Warren Hayes, and I'm back from a week where I disappeared because, well, life stuff. I had to move. I had to move, and I moved, and I'm back this week to talk about professional wrestling. It is the 7th of July, 2022, and I'm glad that you're joining me. Glad that you're joining me wherever you decide to watch the Mr. Warren Hayes Show or listen to it. For instance, watching it on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes right here, video on demand. If you if you could, this would be great. Look, if you could do this, it'd be awesome. Leave a like on this video. Leave a comment on this video as well. That kind of stuff helps out quite a bit, and it's really, really appreciated. Why don't you subscribe to the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel? That's also awesome. Why don't you become a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel? That stuff is great as well. Little ways to show some support right here on uh on uh, on the youtube channel which i am truly appreciative of plus you know you might be listening to this on your favorite podcast application well there's ways to show some support there as well leave a a five-star review on apple uh, apple Podcasts. that's really cool and really easy to do and it helps grow the podcast as well five-star ratings on spotify as well help out a great deal whatever or on whatever application that you're using there's ways you know likes favorites subscriptions whatever show any kind of love and that thing that thing whatever you do will help out a great deal and like i said you know if you leave a comment here on youtube i'll chit chat with you we'll have a discussion we'll i like talking about wrestling why would i stop when i turn off the microphone i want to continue talking about it with you guys so let's have a chat let's talk about things that are on your mind there's all sorts of stuff happening in wrestling all the time. So I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Now, if you're watching the video right now, you'll see immediately I'm in a different entire, an entirely different setup. And I know my audio is not optimal right now. Let's put it that way. Uh, but, uh, but I appreciate, uh, I, you know, I appreciate you listening, of course, but I will get this set up. Like I'm, I'm trying some stuff out with this new setup. It's a, very different room with very different acoustics. So I'm trying some stuff out, but I know right now it's maybe not optimal, but thank you for bearing with me is what I'm trying to say. I'll try and get as uh, this sorted out as best as I can for next week's episode. Fingers crossed. Uh, but in the meantime, enjoy this episode right here um, because I'll be talking about, uh, I'll be talking about, well, that Christian Cage promo from AEW Dynamite. Uh, be talking about Liv Morgan and Money in the Bank. Be talking about Wardlow winning and the New Japan uh, press conference with all that news that came out of it. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff happening there. So pretty packed show. Join the Mr. Warren Hayes Discord if you like talking about wrestling on a daily basis as well, because that's right there. Um, I think we're I think we're good to go. Let's uh, jump right into the to the podcast. Let's do uh, something else. Something else nice that I have to say about Bill Goldberg. I want to wish a congratulations to Bill Goldberg for uh, on the anniversary, 24 years ago, the anniversary of winning the WCW World Heavyweight title, July 6, uh, 1998, in the Georgia Dome. Congratulations to his first world title win, which un- unknowingly set in motion the series of events that would lead to the downfall of WCW. Robin 
nice things to say about Goldberg. <laughs> yeah, look, here's the thing. Look. <laughs> it's a... Excuse me. It's about the most legitimate compliment, right? Because this is because you know it was his first win. He was U.S. champion at the time. He relinquished the title. Uh, I'm not doing one more. Uh, and, and it was his first. It was his first. Um, his first win, right? As champion. Um, but you know, outside of all the the, the stuff. I think more importantly, like on top of on top of it all, I think this was a this was a turning moment, and that still exists today when it comes to to, to pro wrestling. You know, it, it was Hogan versus Goldberg, and they were giving it away on Nitro on a Monday night on TNT. They made huge business in the Georgia Dome, but. On a TV, like on free TV, free TV cable. You know what I mean when I say free TV. You're not paying for a pay-per-view is what I'm saying, right? You know what I mean when I say free TV. I know cable's not free. So, you know, it's interesting because back then, and I remember this very, very clearly, everyone was losing their shit. And it was like, why the hell... Are they giving this this away? Why aren't they? You know, why aren't the uh, why aren't we paying for this? Why aren't they putting this on the pay per view? They're leaving money on the table, so on and so forth. And you know, Goldberg versus Hogan isn't necessarily the turning point in that era where it's like, oh, you have to give away big matches on TV because the ratings are important because of ad revenue back then. It wasn't about licensing as it is today, but, you know, it was a lot about the ad revenue. It was about the ratings and so on and so forth. Um, but I think that this, you know, it's a moment that sticks out because this was legitimately, legitimately WCW's biggest match and they were giving it away on television. They, were, they, they weren't asking you to pay 30, 40 bucks, whatever it was at the time, to watch this match. They were like, no, here you go. And I think this is a mentality that uh, it, that clearly has continued to this day. Because I'm telling you, you know, and especially I, f I feel these days, and particularly in regards to AEW, we're spoiled. When it comes to getting quality, tele quality television wrestling on a week-to-week -week basis, I don't think there's any time... I I think this is the I think this is the richest moment in history in wrestling in televised wrestling history that for that were uh, to get such quality top-notch matches week after week after week with nary a stinker anymore. You know? It's it's just wild and and you see in the chat in the chat people are are are, are remembering as well. That's how it was. People were losing their minds. You know, the pundits didn't understand. Money left on the table, so on and so forth. But it's it's one of these things that changed the game. And and today, you know, you have today the challenge is is different because you have to because if you're in the licensing game like WWE is, you have to walk that thin line between um, between giving your matches on your pay-per-views or your PLEs, 
you know, whatever. If you're going for big payouts or subscriptions, you know, extra subs, whatever. Uh, because that's because ultimately what you're doing is you're generating more value for your for your product so that when you license it out, you can boast about bigger ratings, uh, you know, uh, leaders in the in the demos at this day, this hour, so on and so forth. And the growth that you're able to show that there is uh, that there are that there is indeed tangible licensing opportunities for your uh, for your product to broadcasters. So it's it's a whole different game where, you know, and you still want to keep some big matches for the pay-per-views. But sometimes you have to you have to dump the big ones on TV. That's that's one thing that the Monday Night Wars changed forever and it's still the the thing today. It's still very much the thing today. So, you know, Goldberg winning back then was uh pivotal. Again, it, the idea of giving away big matches on TV was still a thing, but the biggest match? Like, this was the biggest match that WCW had in its pocket still. That was the one. Goldberg, Hogan. And they filled up the Georgia Dome for a fucking Monday night and Monday Nitro. It's amazing, you know? Uh, let's get into uh, Let's get into some news, why don't we? The wrestling entertainment series canceled its very first show. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I, I don't know if you, I didn't really talk about it because I, 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 I had a feeling this was going to go down this route, this route. What do we say? Route, route. It doesn't matter. Or does it? What do you, what do you guys say, chat? Route or route? Route? Route and doesn't matter. Obviously, I'm going to move on. The wrestling entertainment series uh, were supposed to hold their show this Saturday in Nottingham, England, uh, and uh, the uh, group yesterday, yesterday being July 6th, issued a statement which I will read to you. Dear fans and followers, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that they made a distinction. You know that. One does not equate the other. <clears throat> Dear fans and followers, unfortunately, we will have to cancel. I love the passive voice here. You know, the passive voice is like, we will have to cancel. As opposed to, we are can we will cancel. We have to, can we will have to cancel. We are canceling. We have to cancel. We will have to cancel. The event scheduled for this Saturday at the Mortar Point Arena in Nottingham, England. We are deeply disappointed in the news that we have to share, but with so many talent not showing up, we will have no choice then to cancel the event. Our team has worked so hard on this event, day in and day out, for the fans to come with a different type of wrestling event and believe that we still will be able to show that in the new near future that was a sentence what do we do want to say that all our talent that was scheduled have been paid in full 
in that Lena Fanane, I don't know how to pronounce her name. This is the Nia Jax, right? Formerly known as Nia Jax. Fanane, Fanine, Fanine. I'm going to go with Fanine. Lena Fanine was paid her deposit as well while she changed her mind and did not want to show up and wrestle anymore. For now, we will have to apologize for this. For now, we will have to apologize for this. You know, just but for now, you know. Uh, and uh, but we promise that you will that it will not end here. See you soon, Team Wes. I thought that it was very interesting that they felt more compelled to take a shot at Nia Jax, who had come out, you know, uh, uh, saying, you know, I'm. I'm not going to the event. It's uh, you know uh, they they you know this is being weird. So on and so forth. She called them out. So I I find it interesting that they decided to call her out on this announcement as opposed to like things that really matter. For instance, advising ticket holders that they are going to be refunded. They put out a tweet after a couple of hours later when people were like, "Yeah, but are people being refunded? This is a this is a this is a bad announcement, bruh. <laughs> don't ever, don't ever let, don't ever let me say that again, please. Um, and I'm gonna read this off of the uh, post wrestling article here, written up by, uh, written up by John Pollock here. The statement has drawn criticism for blaming talent for not appearing. This was the second time that WES was unable to deliver on a show after moving last month's event to this weekend. And this is something that we need to remember here because the the first event was uh, scheduled in May, right? Um, the and, and they postponed it just a couple of days, again, before the event was uh, supposed to take place. Uh, this is an article off of uh, Figure 4 Online. Uh, just days before it was supposed to take place, Wrestling Entertainment Series has postponed its debut show. Uh, w, uh, WES was supposed to launch with an event at the Motor Point Arena in Nottingham, England this Saturday, June 4. But the promotion announced today that the event has been pushed back to Saturday, July 9. Uh, this was uh, this was May 31st, so it, was really, it really was at the start of June. Um, uh, Wrestling Entertainment Series is being launched by... Zim Salmani and Sonny Dinsha, Dinsa, excuse me, uh, formerly, you know, the authors of Pain, right, in uh, WWE. Uh, they, they, uh, they set out a press release saying that they were going to get everyone, that everything was going to be okay. Now, you know, maybe not running a 10,000 person seated, a 10,000 seat arena for your first show might have been a, a you know a good idea to sort of keep your expectations in check. Ten thousand people. Uh, that's that's a there. There's arenas, venues that that AEW or WWE can't even sell out. Uh, you know uh, that big. What made them so sure that they were going to do it? Especially using you know on the back of. The, the main event, which was what, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Alistair Overeem, right? Former washed up MMA fighter or boxer or whatever. 
uh, and um, uh, 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 Moose. Like, that's your main event. And the previous show, before it was, before it was moved around, the main event was Adam Scher versus Alistair Overeem. So clearly they were like, Overeem is going to move, is going to put butts in seats. Clearly not. They had the women's championship match in the last show, Nia Jax versus uh, Lana, CJ Perry. You've got the Authors of Pain versus Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler. Karrion Cross versus Kalisto versus Jonah. You got, uh, you were supposed to get Madison Rain and Tennille Dashwood versus Deanna Perrazzo and Chelsea Green. Mojo Raleigh versus Lindsay Dorado. Mike Bennett versus Biff Busick. Dirty Dango versus Lee, uh, look, No Way Jose. Um, and... And I mean, the, the card that they had set up was a fraction of what they had here. They had a few people from, from that show on here, but this was just, it was just, it's a disaster is what it is. And then you even had uh, um, um, Matthew Raywolf, who uh, put out some statements over being ghosted by the promotion uh, as he was, you know, seeking information about the, the, uh, the promotion look this this was this was ill-advised from the start this was doomed from the get-go i don't know what to tell you <laughs> this was a bad idea and um uh, you, you know i'm all for here's the thing it's like i'm all for wrestlers having more opportunities to work i think you know if there are more promotions out there and wrestlers are able to get more work I think you know that's a that's a winning situation right there. I don't think there's any reason why we should be uh we should poo-poo that. But um you know not everyone's going to make it and this isn't the first time that a pro- that you know wrestlers or a promotion sort of pops up out of nowhere and says we're going to do all of this and then it never happens. And what sucks is that there are wrestlers who are out of uh, who are losing out on money for the weekend because I don't think everyone was paid in full. I really don't think everyone was paid in full because Mojo Rawley, right, uh, he uh, decided that he was going to do a free meet and greet because he was already in London. He says, look, I'm here with my girlfriend. I'm going to hang around. If anyone wants to do a free meet and greet, come and see me. And look, I'll collect some donations. And uh, whoever wants to, and and the money uh, that I collect, I'll give it back to, you know, some of the wrestlers who are, who were supposed to get paid and aren't. And I'm like, all right. And that's a classy, classy move by, by Mojo. I'm not going to lie. But it really does mean that there are some people who are just missing out. And that stinks. That really stinks. PW Insider uh, earlier today reported. It's a report. It's a rumor. It's a, you know, you know what? You, you guys know the drill by now. Uh, that Sasha Banks and Naomi have been removed from WWE's internal roster over the past 24 hours. Uh, here is the article, the blurb. I don't even want to call it an article. It's like, yeah, it's a glorified tweet, if we're being honest. <laughs> over on PW Insider, Mike Johnson reports. While there has been no official indication they have been released, PWInsider.com can confirm that both Sasha Banks and 
and Naomi were removed from WWE's internal roster over the last 24 hours. We have heard Rumblings Bank may be doing some signings outside of WWE this fall as well, but again, no official confirmation. So, no, there, <clears throat> there still is no official confirmation as it stands right now as to whether or not Sasha and Naomi are still with the company or not. You'll remember, I think it was last week, um, getting a little hazy because of the move. But uh, I think it was last week that uh, news had uh, come out that uh, uh, Sasha uh, had been released. Yeah, it was Raj Giri, right? Raj Giri. Why did I say Giri? I know how to pronounce his name. What am I? It was Raj Giri from uh, Wrestling Inc. who said that uh, apparently the release had come from a vice president of legal affairs, right? I, I might be remembering this wrong. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Thing that Sasha had been given her walking paper, she's good to go. Um, but we haven't heard of uh, any any official word by WWE. And you know what? They're going to try and keep this as fucking quiet as they can. Because you know what? They know this is fucking embarrassing for them to be in a position where they're like, uh, one of the real deal top stars in the company was so fed up with us that she 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 got her lawyers involved so she could leave the company. Because this is the story, right? I, you know, again, this is all hearsay and anything that... Look, this is wrestling. Things change on a dime. I would not be surprised if in a couple of months Sasha suddenly pops back on WWE TV. And I don't think... Like, I honestly don't think this is a work. Don't get me wrong. I don't think this is a work in any way, shape, or form. But... Things in wrestling, in the entertainment business, uh, I've seen weirder. I've seen weirder than this. Okay. So, um, but as it stands right now, it's looking more and more plausible that they're gone. And, you know, I checked before coming on, uh, before doing the the, the pre-stream tonight. Uh, I checked to make sure that they were still on the roster page. They still are. Uh, I don't know what to think of it, man. I really don't. I really, really don't. Um, um, I still think, look, I still think that this is an entire mess. It is a complete and utter mess for WWE. I, like, I don't know how you slip up on Sasha Banks. I really don't. I really, really honestly don't. And at what point can I start talking about WWE missing another golden opportunity by, you know, by not doing a fatal four-way between the four horsewomen. At what moment can I start, can I start complaining about that? Because WWE, they, they love to leave money on the table. They just love to, these missed opportunities that their fans would love, they miss their shot at a triple threat WrestleMania main event between the former members of the Shield. And I'm not talking like, like, just just before Mox left, right? When he came back and so on. This, this is what they should have done. Put all three members of the Shield in the main event. You know, they've all won world titles since. They've all become big stars. That's, that would have, that would have been a needle mover. 
that would have sold some tickets, would have uh, sold uh, some subscriptions to the award-winning WWE Network. But no. And I tweeted that out this week. And then people are like, oh, it could still happen. It could still happen. Just fucking do it. Why didn't they do it? Why did they wait so long? Why didn't they do it before? Is always the question that I'm going to I'm going to have. Why did they not do this before? Why didn't they do it be, uh, last year? Well, Bailey was injured. But that's the point. If you have all four women healthy and they're ready to go, that's the match. We'll see. One thing at a time. I'm not going to dance on that grave just yet. I'm going to wait for an official confirmation before we, before we start going nuts here. I was reading tweets this morning regarding uh, the New Japan Pro Wrestling Press Conference. Bunch of stuff that came out of it. They did the, uh, it was their business strategy press conference earlier today at the Hisokan Theater. Uh, they discussed uh, the uh, multiple aspects of their business strategy for the rest of 2022 and some very, very juicy bits um, that came out of this. Very interesting stuff. There's some things that um, <clears throat> that are blatantly great, right? Just like out the gate, blatantly fantastic. Uh, other stuff that uh, maybe flew a little bit under the radar, but let's talk about it. Hey, Get Show! Get Show Podcast is here. Nice to see you. Welcome to the chat. Uh, and I'm going to read uh, the items here just off of the Figure 4 Online uh, article here. First of all, um, New Japan Pro Wrestling will return to the United Kingdom uh, in October this year. The date hasn't been specified. This is going to be their first return to the UK since 2019. Uh, and that's Fantastic for uh, UK fans. Um, New Japan is very, very much appreciated. Um, it, over there, they have a great fan base, which is very much, very well maintained by their association with Rev Pro on top of that. So uh, that's good. Oh, you look great. Thank you. Um, the there and uh, in regards to the G1 as well, there's going to be a G1 special show. And it's going to be an outdoor card held in Rapongi Hills on August 20 in conjunction with their media partner, uh, TV Asahi's Summer Station event. So I guess that's some kind of, you know, big thrill, like big uh, celebration convention thing that TV Asahi does. Bastards. They put on every side, which is cool because... I think the last, could it be that the last time New Japan did an outside event, and I'm talking about a stadium event, I'm really talking about something outside. I think it was like the, the Pirate Festival where uh, Okada and Suzuki fought under the rain, right? If I'm not mistaken. That's pretty fun. That I'm looking forward to. Now let's get into some of the juicier stuff. There will be around two mixed tag team matches at the joint New Japan Stardom event on November 20th, held under traditional mixed tag rules where men are facing men and women are facing women. That's pretty fucking dope. That's cool as hell. Could you, like, you know, you, you could get, you could get 
Shuri and Okada in a tag team, which would rock, right? You know, I get it. Like, they, you know, no, you, you got to keep them separated. Hey, come out and play. But still, you know, still cool, right? And th big step. But on top of this, on top of this, uh, the uh, 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 um, the Road chairman, uh, Takaki Kidani, stated that uh, stardom has that uh, stardom has come into the Bushi Road group two and a half years ago and has exploded in growth. Soon, much like overseas, the Japanese scene will be genderless and more integrated. Mm. What? What did the chairman, uh, you know, Bushi Road, of course, owns New Japan and Stardom, right? Two separate companies under one umbrella. They've got the chairman of, you know, the big, the big spot where he's like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to start uh, mixing a little, some things together, right? We're going to start putting, you know, putting maybe uh, 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 integrating a little less, a little, uh, not, not as much uh, gender affiliations here. Now, I know this ticked off a lot, a lot of Joshi eh, stardom purists with this news. I know it ticked, out a, uh, ticked off a lot of people because I've been told multiple times that New Japan shouldn't have women because the women have their own promotions and everything's fine. fine, 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 fine. Everything's fine, 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 fine. And this doesn't mean this doesn't mean that Stardom is suddenly going to shut down and uh, all of a sudden they're going to become the women's division of New Japan. And I, I, I don't condone that. I don't think that's a good way to go about it. Right? He talked about integration. Didn't talk about you know absorption or you know whatever else. But. I don't think that's a good way to go about it. If that's the plan, I, I admit, I you know, I will admittedly say that it's a bad idea, pal. It won't work for me, brother, if suddenly stardom becomes the women's division of New Japan. I don't think that's a good way to go. If you maintain, though, <clears throat> if you hold on to stardom and stardom events and you have New Japan and there's more crossover, that's dope as hell. Because I do think that the crossover will be beneficial for both promotions. Because then you'll see some faces on one, faces on the other. Why not send some dudes over on Stardom once in a while? Although I, just, I, would, I would assume that you would probably want to send more Stardom women to New Japan shows to attract more eyeballs to Stardom because I have a feeling that that's probably where you'd want that the potential for Immediate growth is faster if you go get a, the more numerous wrestling fans of New Japan, the, the, which are clearly in greater numbers, and you bring them in. So I think it's, I think there's a lot, there's a lot more crossover. I think the crossover is very interesting and it makes a lot of business sense to do it. Uh, it's something that, you know, a lot of us were anticipating, expecting, but I know there's a lot of, I know there's a lot of, a lot of stardom. Uh, I know there's a lot of stardom yo-yos right now who are very, very mad and saying, you know, oh, it's they're destroying the culture and whatever. Let's do this. But here's here's the uh, 
Here's a, a big news for us here in North America. Stardom talent will begin appearing in New Japan, in the New Japan Strong brand in the U.S. And that's dope as hell. And that's that's understanding. That's basically just understanding how the uh, uh, how the, uh, the the business works here in North America. And I promise you, you know, just as much as because New Japan is they're not morons, right? Well, at least you'd assume that right? at least Bushi Road are not morons. They see AEW bring in Maki Ito a couple of years ago. What was it? What 18 months ago? When was her first her first showing? Rick Poling, nice to see you. Welcome to the chat. Like the they bring in Maki Ito one night, she becomes an instant sensation, right? And people immediately associate her with AEW. They bring in Yuka Sakazaki and she she becomes a a, a big deal as well. So they're like, what, are they, what the hell are we doing? Why are we letting, why, why aren't we getting this kind of exposure? Why, why isn't this happening? Why aren't our women getting, you know, this star treatment here? Then Maki Ito becomes like this fixture, right? They're, this this uh, well-known commodity. She's uh, practically um, a, a household name among internet wrestling fans. Every You know, whether you like her or not, you know, you absolutely know who Maki Ito is, is the point I'm trying to make. So if you, uh, so clearly they're like, well, let's get some of our women on these cards. Because I swear, like, if you guys don't know about Tom Nakano, she's fantastic. Like, she is a, she is on the rise. If you don't know who Azumi is, we, you know, we always talk about, you know, Utami, we talk about Shuri, we talk about Mayu, and with good reason, they're fantastic. But if you want, you know, if you see the 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 the, the younger girls coming in, then you've got, you know, you've got you've got Kyrie Sane. You've got Kyrie Sane now. Like as a as a crossover star that you could bring in on strong and say, hey, American fans, remember her? Come see how awesome she really can be. It's like they're, I, I, they're Starlight Kid. Yes, Jason PS3. Very good. Thank you as well. Like there's so many. There's Stardom has so many women that are extremely talented. And this is not taking anything away from from Maki Ito or or or, or Yuka. They're fantastic as well. But I can, you can absolutely see the same type of phenomenon happening. Of course, strong is is still a it's a new Japan world thing, right? It's it's not as if it's broadcast on TNT on Wednesday nights or TBS on Wednesday nights. I get it, I get it, you know. But still, cool as hell, you know. Uh, so that's really cool. Um, what else did they announce? So that cheering is finally going to come back. Special sections will be set up with social distancing to allow cheering at events on September 5 and 6. I don't understand this anymore. And I've I've scoured the internet and maybe maybe someone in the chat can educate me properly in regards to this because I don't understand uh uh this the the the, the non-cheering thing uh anymore in Japan. Because you can literally go into restaurants now, sit down, take your masks off, and eat 
but you go to a venue and you can't shout. I don't under like I, I and I tried to look for some reasonable explanations and you know probably they exist in Japanese and I'm not looking at the right places but I don't I like it doesn't make sense to me no special section with social distancing and in fucking September come on now as for the G1 attendance um, President Obari of New Japan said that in 2019, the G1 event sold 96,000 tickets, while the pandemic in 2020 saw that drop to 36,000. 2021 fell to 28,000. Those are not pretty numbers. But he said that they have exceeded 30,000 tickets sold for this year's G1 so far with a goal of 50,000 set. Good for them. They're, they're, they're already already better attendance than last year. Still not great numbers in comparison to 2019. But um, I think, look, we'll see it. We'll keep an eye on this. I, you know, I always, I've always told you guys, I feel like, um, I, I, I feel like ticket prices are always a better indicator uh, to the success of a, of a show as opposed to, uh, to ratings. But this is very personal because I think the ratings is more of a business thing. Look, Marketing thing is what I meant to say. Apologies. Um, but that's very interesting. Uh, and they set a goal of 15,000, 50,000, excuse me. Um, probably, there's probably still some social distancing. There's probably, you know, the venues are probably still not at full capacity, which is why they're not targeting higher. Because if I were them, if I'm, if I've already outsold my very shitty 2021 attendance, like I'd at least try to get, to the 96,000 for the G1 this year. But there are less shows too, right? There's there's there there there's not as there's not as many matches with the way they've set up with the four we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um they talked about talent and recruiting as well uh which uh which was interesting the Talking about you know how New Japan has to and and Stardom have to adapt to societal changes in Japan where people are staying in school longer and finishing older, uh, so they have to uh, uh, they have to adapt to that. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, spoke about the New Zealand dojo and they have plans to they plan to run events in uh, in Oceania, um, you know Australia, New Zealand, so on and so forth. Uh, and then they had, they, they featured three stars to come and, you know, push merch, you know, be the, the faces of the company. Of course, three three wrestlers, right? Of course, they have Hiroshi Tanahashi. He's the ace of the company. He's the top guy. You know, he's the face of the promotion. Everyone loves him. And he'll be the face of the new pro, pro, protein line, which is being introduced by Bushiroad as far as their will-be gym franchise. And he will consult on the brand as well. So our boy, Ace of the Universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi, developing his own protein, his line of, line of protein shakes. Good for him. Hiromu Takahashi was the other wrestler there as well. He talked about uh, uh, trading cards. I'm not quite sure what that was about. But, you know, two of their most marketable guys, right? You know, Tanahashi, who, you know, represents the you know the 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 classiness of the sport the uh so you know 
Hiromu being, you know, the, the wild side of it, the colorful extrovert. Two big guys. Who is the third guy that they brought in to tout something on that stage? Who is who could possibly be the third big star that they decided to put forward here that they had enough trust in to say, you're gonna come talk about this? Was it Kazuchika Okada? No, not the not the current IWGP world heavyweight champion. No. Was it Tetsuya Naito, longtime fan favorite? No, no, no. The returning Kushida, maybe. Mm. No, not not Kushida either. Who then? Who? Who? It was our boy, the great Okan, who came to who came to shill some merch. And to, to put over the 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 app, uh, the Strong Spirits app. Great Okan. I'm tell I've told you guys and gals and non-binary pal. I've told you this for a while now. They, New Japan, they love them some great Okan. They know he's a big guy, they know he can be a top star, and they're already putting him in these top star type situations. He was the other man. He had Wrestle Kingdom. If you think he's not going to be involved in something big by the end of the year, I don't know what to tell you. They, Gato loves the guy, and clearly the the, the suits love him too. Despite the fact that he comes, uh, despite the fact that he comes around and he, uh, you know, he comes to America and he rides giant mechanical penises. <laughs> they just love him. Mark my words. This, this is this is the moment. This is the moment you get on the Great Ocon train. Choo choo. There's going to be a music festival, a New Japan Pro Wrestling music festival that I'm very curious about, and they're unfortunately going to get into NFTs. Womp womp. Can't win them all. So some very interesting stuff. Of course, the stardom things really stand out for us here. Our, uh, us in North America, I mean. Uh, just um, remarkable, remarkable news uh, that a lot of us didn't expect to see in our lifetime. Really, really, really did not. Tell your friends. Call them on the phone right now. I'm going to talk about money in the bank because we're starting the weekly wrestling inspection. <laughs> <laughs> um money in the bank 2021 so the mgm grand garden arena on july 2nd hosted wwe's money in the bank 2022 over 12,000 people in attendance um over uh, yeah that's it over 20 uh 20 uh over 12,000 people in attendance uh took over here uh, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful said that uh, the executives of WWE got some notes regarding the 2022 Money in the Bank show. Said it's the most viewed Money in the Bank event of all time. That's the news that we got. We have no idea how to verify that. How the hell are we supposed to verify that? We don't know. Like they could, they could say, oh, sure, 
but WWE doesn't release and they've never released any numbers. Well, they used to, they, they did for a while. No, they've never released. No, they, they, for a while they, on the network, they released subscription numbers, then they stopped, but they've never released views. So we don't know. It could be true, could not be. Yeah, WWE never makes up numbers. Um, on top of that, this is again notes from Fightful. On top of that, Money in the Bank 2022 generated the second highest gate in the show's history, with merchandise sales specifically being the highest in the event's history. Merchandise itself was up. Are you ready for this? 95% from last year's uh, from the previous year's Money in the Bank. 95%. Bananas. That's, that's crazy. 95% more uh, in merch sales, right? Now, remember this event was originally supposed to be held at the Allegiant Stadium, right? In, in Vegas, but then they moved to the MGM Grand Arena. WWE had originally sold, while they were still holding the, the show at the Allegiant, 16,826 tickets. You remember this. I talked about this on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago when they did do the move. Um, and they had planned uh, a capacity of 25,000 people, which, of course, the reason why they were running a stadium and planning it for 25,000, they were like, well, if we, if we start getting more people, right, if we start getting more people in here, uh, then um, then we'll be able to bump it up more, right? So of course, of course, we they, they planned twenty five thousand, but they were ready for more anyway. According to uh, WrestleTix, though, there were twelve thousand seventy six people in attendance for the MGM Grand Arena show. Uh, and you will remember that WWE was offering refunds, uh, was offering refunds for ticket holders. Um, wait, were they, yeah, they were, or, uh, and they also had, not or, but they also had the, uh, like a pre-sale for people, for the MGM Grand Arena, for people who had previously purchased tickets from the Allegiant stadium so you could go in and buy your ticket ahead of time so about five thousand people out of those sixteen thousand, more or less you know uh decided to to forego going to money in the bank at all right um i mean this is good news for wwe right who needs roman reigns who needs brock lesnar who needs cody rhodes this, you know, if this, if they, if it made such good viewership numbers, if it made such uh, a good business for them without any of these big stars, then who cares if Roman is there or not? And doesn't that kind of contradict a little bit, like all this stuff about Roman being this big of a needle mover? I don't know. Didn't even have Brock. 
They, they had all the, you know, they had the, the cream of the upper mid card of WWE on the show. And it's interesting that this all happened for um, a, a fairly mediocre show. Um, now, like I said, look, I talked about, you know, uh, you know, I, maybe I wasn't in the best, best of spirits watching the show. Maybe I was in the mood. Maybe I was a little cranky, you know, but I kind of feel like, you know, in the circle of people with whom I, I chat wrestling about uh, and looking at the reactions online, I kind of feel like I'm not off base. I, 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 I don't feel like I'm being uh, like I'm being unfair here in regards to uh, in regards to money in the bank. Um, I don't think it was a good show. Um, and I, and I'm, I don't want, and I'm not going to break down, uh, the entire card. Cause I, 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 honestly, I think there's more interesting things to talk about in, in, in wrestling, but I'm not going to break down every match, but there are things we do. I do want to touch on. Look, let's start right ahead. The show opened with, uh, the women's money in the bank ladder match. Liv Morgan defeated Alexa Bliss, Oscar, Becky Lynch, and Lacey Evans and Raquel Rodriguez. And Shotzi Blackheart. Oh, apologies. We're not supposed to call her Blackheart uh, anymore. Um, she's uh, so Liv Morgan is, became uh, Ms. Money in the Bank in a <clears throat> in a in not a good ladder match. This was not a good ladder match. Um, and you know I'm going to. I'm going to go one further. I'm going to push this one ahead a little bit. Uh, not only was it a bad ladder match, I'm I, I've I've achieved a level of undesirability in regards to promotions booking ladder matches. Now, I think we I think we need a pause on ladder matches across the board. I think they're that's like I don't even think it's a question of oversaturation. They're overdone at this point. You know, Liv did that one spot in the ladder match. Where I was like, oh, I don't remember ever seeing that. You know, when she's on the ladder and I can't remember who's teething her, who's pushing the ladder, pushing her with the ladder off. And she, she lands on the top rope. Like she extends her legs and, and like her left leg lands on the top rope and she uses it to bounce back. And I was like, oh shit. I don't I don't remember seeing that. And I'm like, okay. But how and then and then it dawned on me like how long have I ha, has it been since I saw a really interesting ladder spot? You know? And we're at a we're at a point now where you know people are just setting up ladders everywhere and they're crashing onto them, so on and so forth. And we it's not as dramatic anymore because we see them practically every week, every two weeks, every month. We really need a breather when it comes to ladder matches because they don't feel special anymore. And I think we get maybe a little extra judgmental because we just see so many of them. They, they, they lost their allure. They've been driven into the ground. And you can't even say it's a WWE problem. AEW has the same problem as well. I think the indies have that same problem too. Um, we need to relax. We need to relax when it comes to ladder matches. I don't think, I, I, I don't think there's that much value in them right now. Give them a breath. Let them let us let us as fans miss the ladder match so that when it does make a comeback, we'll be excited about it. 
so uh, well, we'll talk about live uh, in a minute or two. Um, then we had uh, and look, you know, ladder matches, so on and so forth. Is you know, it's a thing. You know, I I, I think I think you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of hate that was directed towards a lot of women in this match, particularly Shotzi Blackheart, which I think is unwarranted. I everyone fucks up, everyone messes up, and then and then you know, I don't know if you if you follow this, but Shotzi deactivated her her Twitter account with reason. She was being trashed for three days straight. My people calling her awful and telling her to kill herself and whatnot. I mean, look, it's a fucking, it's a fucking wrestling match. And she fucked up some spots. What are you going to do? Calling her trash, a terrible wrestler. And here's the thing. I, I am familiar with Shotzi's wrestling pedigree. I've watched her on the independence. I know what this is about. I, I know how, what she's, I know what she's capable of. Right. And when it comes to look, when it comes to Shotzi, okay, no, she's having, let me rephrase that. When it comes to Shotzi, clearly the WWE style is hampering her. She is not the Shotzi Blackheart that I remember from the Indies. Absolutely not in no way, shape, or form. She's anything but that cool anymore. And it's a shame to me. It's a shame. I think she's, uh, and I think this is the case for a lot of women, a lot of wrestlers in general, who came up from the Indies and are trying to adapt to the WWE style and, this is not the Shotzi that I know. And I am 100% convinced that this is her. That this is the, 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 the consequence of her trying to get, um, the, the, trying to get accustomed to this style when hers was a lot wilder, faster, much more breakneck, but not as contrived, I guess. Not as overproduced. You know, the WWE, there are some indie wrestlers that adapt to it. There are some that really do. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Matt Riddle, uh, you know, and that work, that work within those confines and are very good with it, that have been, that have come up from the independence and, and, and did fantastic. And there's a litany of others. These are just the, um, no, well, yeah, I guess you could say to a degree Finn, Finn Balor, but Finn was in New Japan, but still, it's a whole different style. WWE style is something completely different, right? And there are some people who are unable to shine in it because their strengths are being a pro wrestler, such as Claudio Castagnoli. Yeah, I, I, sure, the list is much longer of those who don't, who don't adapt to it. No, I'm, I'm good with that. I, I agree. It's Pluggo from Between Two Beards. Pluggo, oh, nice to see you. Welcome to the chat. You missed, you missed, you missed a chance at getting a, a, a gifted, a gifted membership to the Mr. Warren A. Show. You're, you're this close. 
Um, what match were we? We were talking about. Uh, we were. Yeah, we're still talking about the women's match. Let's move on. Um, United States uh, title match. Bobby Lashley defeated Austin Theory uh, to become the new U.S. champion. Um, I still stand by everything I said while I was still watching WWE regular because now I'm a casual watcher of WWE, which is exactly what WWE wants. Um, I am I am still adamant that the um, the Bobby Lashley push of 2020-2021 was the best executed uh, wrestler push of that entire sequence, of that entire year, whatever you want to call it. He, he was in the Hurt Business, as we recall, won the U.S. Championship, and was defeating the mid-carders left and right. And that's how you build a strong contender, right? That's how you build a big-time star. You do it. You start with the guy. You give him. You give him. Uh, you put him. You, you put him on the mid card. You let him tear shit up on the mid card, right? As you're going forward, and then uh, he gets too big for the mid card. Then moves up, beats the champion, becomes champion, and then he's, you know, big main event material. But they couldn't maintain it with with Lashley. They worked. The better part of a year to get him to in a position where he was credible enough to beat Drew McIntyre, who up until that point was the main champion. He was the top guy. No one could dethrone him. But you had him destroying mid-carters as the U.S. champion, drops the title in a three-way, which he was never pinned for. And he's like, you know what? I'm going straight for the big dog now. And he got his match with, with Drew and finally won and so on and so forth. But see, this is the problem with WWE. They, they spend all this time building this guy into a legitimately credible top-level competitor, but then they don't capitalize on him. Then it's like, mm, well, uh, you're losing to Brock. And uh, you're, we're putting you in, in a thrilling feud against Omas. And then, uh, and then you're going to go back to winning the U.S. title. It's like, and Lashley, Lashley is one of the serious guys that looks and acts the part that you could put that properly built, again, which they had done, could be a guy to take Roman down. Anyway, this match was all right. I mean, there's, you know, there was nothing special about it. It was a Monday Night Raw main event. What, what, what do you want from me? I can't stand Austin Theory. I absolutely cannot stand him. And like he has, like that, for me, it's literal change the channel heat he has with me. Bianca Belair defeated Carmella. I don't... I don't know if this like this is a circumstance of well I don't know what they had planned for Sasha and Naomi right 
and I don't know. We'll see what they have planned for uh, for the SummerSlam because that's how I'm calling it now, by the way, because that's what Bret Hart used to call SummerSlam. He would call it the SummerSlam. So moving forward, since Bret has always been right. On the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel, moving forward, we are referring to that particular premium live event as the SummerSlam, which is its proper Christian name. <laughs> Kevin Parvizi, how you doing, boss? Nice to see you. Welcome. So, look, I don't know what the plan here is, but this was clearly thrown together Uh Maybe because they had plans for Naomi. I don't know. I don't know what the plan here was. Carmella feels like a like a second banana in this uh, in the in, in this thing. And I feel like all this time of her not wrestling, of her not uh, you know being put on the back burner. And, uh, you know, not being featured in top-level matches and not wrestling top-level women. I think she's she doesn't look as good as she has in the past. Because Carmella always had this sneaky underdog energy about her that she could just... Come on in, tune tune in, and, and whoa, then it shocks you and surprises you. But this wasn't it. Bianca looked good. I mean, look, it's the situation. It's a, you know, a match that barely made it over seven minutes. What are you going to do? I think this was a, this was a, a losing situation here. Um... Raw tag team title and uh, SmackDown tag team title match where the Usos defeated the Street Profits. Um, I feel like... Um, I feel like myself and many people on Twitter were not watching the same match. I know a lot of people love the match, called it the match of the night. I will probably go down that route only because I, I don't think there's anything else that got the electricity that this match provided. Um, I think it, I think this match could have benefited from not being over 20 minutes. I think it could have been a little shorter because I think the heel spot was, um, the heat spot for the heels was too long. Uh, and um, I don't know. It, it didn't, it didn't click that hard. People got excited for the uh, people got excited for the the, um, the 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 false finishes, right? The the kickouts. The, people always get excited for kickouts, and if if you if if the audience isn't getting excited for not kickouts but false finishes, uh, then you're you're you know you've got a serious problem. People like it, and it's fine. But that's in you know that's what everyone kept telling us, like oh the final part of the match when they were. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't think it had a good. I don't think it's the structure was that great. And look, I'm gonna put this to bed once and for all. In the, this is my official position. Look, 
This is my official position on the Us- who is better, the Usos or the Young Bucks debate. Okay, this is my official. The num- This is the Warren Hayes uh, 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 position. I'm drawing the line. This is where I stand in regards to the better tag team. Who is better, the Usos and the Young Bucks? <clears throat> we will never know because the Usos are big fish in a small pond. If the Usos could break out of WWE, go out and wrestle other teams, much more seasoned teams, in environments where tag teams are loved, respected. And I'm not just talking AEW. I mean, we're talking about the indies with, you know, Japan. If we could actually see them go with other teams, I think we'd be in a better position to answer the question. As it stands right now, they are the best team in WWE. I'll give you that. But is it is a very small pond. And I think it's easy to be the big fish in WWE tag in the WWE tag team division. I don't think it's I don't think it's that big of an accomplishment. So which one of the two are better? I don't know. And I don't think I don't think in good faith anyone can really answer either. I don't think you can say, because I you know the Bucks are much more traveled. They've wrestled multiple styles in multiple places. I think they are extremely well-rounded and can adapt to everything. The Usos, I don't know. They work the WWE style. Maybe they could be better. Maybe they could break out, but we don't know. And I think that is, I, I think that's an absolute fair response. The, the, the Young Bucks are a great tag team, don't get me wrong. And the Usos are a great tag team as well, don't get me wrong. But I honestly don't think, I honestly think we will never know just how good the Usos really are or could be. I don't think we'll ever know. (laughs) Chat. Where were we? Oh, God. Ronda Rousey defeated Natalia to retain the SmackDown. This, This was a snooze fest. Ronda Rousey is terrible. She's terrible. All right? Terrible. And I'm not even... I know Natalia... I think... I honestly do believe... And I'm on record on this. Natalia gets an inordinate amount of disrespect. Which I have trouble... Which I have trouble, like... Pinning down. I don't know why people are so hard on Natalia... When you get fucking Ronda Rousey here, who is dull as a doornail in the ring. It's garbage. No, it, like it, she, she lost the title. And I don't know if this was planned, if this was what they wanted to see happen, or if this is a reaction to her not getting reactions, not pushing merch. I don't know. Not, is she, is she, is she being, uh, is she being, uh, is she underperforming in the ratings? She's terrible. I saw, like, I saw the, you know, the packages, the video package to hype this match. And at some point she's in the ring with Natalia 
saying, Natalia, you are a charisma vacuum. And I'm like, this is, this is exactly Rhonda staring into the abyss here. Can you imagine? Pop Kettle Black, Jesus Christ. She's awful. She stinks. For, for, for the hype that she generates, for the, uh, the, uh, everything that, uh, that her presence in WWE entails, because she, you know, WWE wants to make her the center of attention while everyone else is like, give us anyone else. Where the fuck is Sasha? Where the hell is Sasha Banks? We don't want Ronda Rousey. No one asked for Ronda Rousey. Collective groan when she came back. She barely could muster the energy to smile when she came back and started pointing at the WrestleMania sign. Anyway, she loses the title and we know what happens next. Liv runs down. And, and, and Ronda had a grueling match against Natalia, right? Uh, and, 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 and her leg is hurt. So she's in a bad way, but Liv is cashing in and she successfully cashes in, defeats Natalia, uh, Ronda Rousey. And this is the, in 32 seconds, and I'm cool with that. I am cool with Ronda Rousey historically in the books, uh, in every, in every uh, journal, uh, in every almanac of pro wrestling. You know, we were going to, ha we're going to have Liv Morgan defeating Ronda Rousey in 32 seconds. I'm okay with that. I am absolutely, that, that's, a, that's a nice little uh, bomb there on, uh, on the, the, the sunburn that is Ronda Rousey's presence. Um, but look, I have, I have a very complicated relationship with Liv Morgan and it's not what you think. That's not what I mean. But I do have a very complicated relationship with Liv Morgan because I do believe, I, I really do believe she has, she has true support from the fans. I think there is something organic to this push. Um, you know, but I think she does the underdog baby face thing very, very well. Uh, I think she connects with the audience in a very special way. And it's just one of these things. It's, you know, as someone in the past would tell us, uh, you can't teach that. You know, it's, it's just something that she has. I think she's not a great wrestler. I think she lacks fundamentals. And I saw it again. Like Liv doesn't throw strikes. She, uh, you know, she doesn't do clotheslines. She... You know, she jumps around. She performs moves. That's what she does. She moves. She does DDTs. She does Ranas. She does, she does a whole bunch of shit. But she has no fundies. I shouldn't have said fundies. That sounds weird. She, has, she doesn't have any fundamental. Uh, and, and that comes through. So, you know, I was talking with, uh, with Kristen about it the other night. You know, when she won... And like, look, Liv has this great underdog energy, and you know WWE loves an underdog. But like, if we take, if if we look at, if, if we look at uh, uh, recent examples of great underdog babyfaces in WWE, you have to think back to Johnny Gargano, 
Gargano could go. Like Gargano at the, you know, black and gold at the height of the DIY feud. Uh, I would argue he was one of the best workers in the world. Uh, and, you know, he he didn't, uh, he, he could follow up in the ring with compelling matches, which I don't think Liv can do. And, and I don't want to rain on anyone's parade because I look, I know there's a lot of Liv fans. And, uh, and if there's one thing I've learned by hanging around Twitter is you, you know, you definitely don't want to piss off Sasha fans. And I'm proud to be an honorary, uh, member of the Sasha Stan army. Um, but you don't want to piss off, uh, you don't want to piss off Liv Morgan fans either. So I, I I do want to be very clear that you know I have a very mi- I have very mixed feelings about her because I she does have she does have stuff going for her as opposed to many others that are currently employed by WWE especially in 2.0 she has a lot of stuff going and you know I think she has natural she has a good understanding of wrestling that's not the problem I think she, ha- she I I I feel like. I feel like anyone who's throwing into this too hard is going to be disappointed because I don't see WWE going forward with Liv Morgan in any way more solid than they did with Nikki Ash because this is exactly the same thing. Nikki A.S.H. won the money in the bank and she did a sneaky, a sneaky sneak uh, uh, cash in on a Monday Night Raw and everyone popped. Oh, and here's the thing, right? But did you see the reaction Liv got? Everyone in WWE pops. Every WWE fan goes nuts at a cash in. They all do because that's the, that's the, that's the attraction. But it's a one-time thing. Then what's the follow-up? What do you do after? Uh, what are, whoever it would have been, Whoever who had, regardless who would have won, they would have got the same pop. And again, I'm not, this is not to shit on anyone's parade. It's not to, it's not to, you know, I'm not trying to kick Liv Morgan in the, in, in the down, but, but we just have to be consistent with this because you can definitely go back and check the reaction that Nikki Cross, Nikki Ash got for her thing, for her cash in. It's on the same level. Absolutely, right? Everyone gets a big pop. So to me, that's not an indicator of anything. What are they gonna do after? Well, look, she was on was she was on Raw on Monday in a tag match or something, and her team won, her and Bianca, I think. Wasn't so out the gate, they're taking better care of her. Then they took care of Big E when he won the title because he lost on his first out. So straight out the bat, there's a little, you, you, you can maybe feel a little more confident on that level. But ultimately the issue is Liv is not going to hang on to this title very long. And WWE is not going to take her seriously as a champion. I'm very curious to see how they're going to set up whatever match they have prepared for her for uh, 
for uh, uh, Survivor Series, uh, not Survivor Series, the SummerSlam. But I'm convinced she's losing at the SummerSlam. I don't think her title reign goes any further than that. She's she's not a champion that WWE is going to throw their their weight behind. Hell, they didn't even have her plates ready on Monday. So I don't know, I feel like I'm pissing in people's cornflakes. Because I look, my timeline on Twitter is just filled with people retweeting live content with the belt, with uh, you know, photoshops of her with the belt and also whatever you know, like it's filled with live content. I'm just look. I'm just saying WWE has a has a historically proven record of being very, very iffy on people that they haven't shown previous confidence in. I wouldn't put any stock in, in, in Liv right now. Look, she had title opportunities in January against, against Becky and she came up, not only did she come up short, but her matches weren't even that good. This isn't the title. This isn't the title reign that people are are getting excited for. They're setting themselves up for disappointment, and I don't know why people don't learn their lesson here. She's a transitional champion. They have a plan for someone else. Wouldn't even be surprised if it's Charlotte, but they have a plan for someone else, and it might be Bailey. And I know Liv is well liked backstage, and it. And she legitimately looks like a, she seems like a wonderful human, wonderful person. But the reality is that she works for WWE and they don't give a shit. Let's see, let's see how she's treated on Friday. And when I say let's, I mean y'all, because I'm a casual viewer of WWE now. And Money in the Bank uh, men's ladder match was the main event uh, where Austin Theory was added in last minute by Adam Pierce, And I don't understand this. I don't understand this at all. And, and, and it may be, maybe it's because I'm a... Why, why, did, why did he do this? Why did Adam Pierce do this? Because here's the thing. This is the, this is the only thing. There's qualifying matches and then there's re-qualifying matches and the losers get to qualify again all these qualifiers then all of a sudden now we'll just drop a guy in when adam pierce came out i will i promise you and Kristen can attest to this because we were watching it together i said they're bringing in brock and Kristen was like that doesn't make sense he has the main event already set with with roman i said they're bringing in brock that's the only thing, like, I was like, uh, they're, they're doing this again. But no, they did it with Theory, who is the least interesting person on the roster. And I don't care. I don't care if they're building new star, a new star with them or not. I, I don't think he's interesting. 
and he has a checkered past. He's a douchebag. I don't care for him at all. When that happened, I was like, hey, you know what? When, when I saw him come out, I was like, fantastic. I, uh, I can, I, you know, I, I, I haven't watched the newest episode of The Boys yet. So honestly, I did not see it. I did not watch the match. I'm gonna be completely transparent with you, but I understand the result. And this guy, this guy, he's he has the rocket strapped to him, money in the bank. He he gets he gets the big angle, right? Where he loses his match earlier in the evening, but then he gets pushed into the uh, up higher on the card. And then he's going to be feuding with John Cena going into the SummerSlam. So, I, there's, I don't know what they see. Like, I don't know what they see in him. I see there's, I, I see so many talented guys on that roster. And who are proven commodities and who should be pushed higher up into the main event. And instead they're deciding to go with this guy. And I don't see it. I, I don't. I just do not see it. I don't get it. Let's wrap this up with the weekly Dynamite review. Strap in, folks. Um, uh, I think this was a... Um, I think this was a mixed bag. I think... Th I, I, I think... Overall, Dynamite last night. Dynamite last night had nothing. Nothing was great. Stuff was, the best stuff was solid. And everything else sort of went, that's ah, fine. It's, okay. it's all right to just like. It's a transitional show that we that we sat through last night. Um, and, uh, definitely not to the standard that we, uh, that we usually, uh, expect from, uh, from Dynamite. A lot of storytelling going on. Let's, let's talk about it. Um, starting off with a big moment, Wardlow defeating Scorpio Sky to become the new AEWTNT champion, uh, in a street fight match. Look, I thought the match itself, I thought it was fine. I don't think it was, you know, it was all right. It was fine. But what it, what it served to do, this is what this match was for. It was to continue, it was to continue establishing Wardlow as a force of nature and as a guy that you need to get behind as the viewing audience, right? Because we've heard the doomsayers, the naysayers. We've heard, oh, they haven't done anything with Wardlow in the past couple of weeks. They've cooled him off. He's dead, right? Kind of thing, right? That's that's the thing. That's always what you hear. And by the way, wait a second. And I'm sick of hearing about this. I mean, I'm, and I'm sick of these weird prognosticators who are like, oh, well, two weeks, he's not on TV, he's dead. Because... I'm on record. I told you this a couple of weeks ago when they did the 20 on one match. I thought it was a flop. I didn't think they did good. I think there was another way to approach it. 
I think the execution was poor. And I and I said, this is the first misstep in handling Wardlow's push. I'm absolutely, you can go back and listen to it. I'm absolutely on record. Then what did they do? They took him off TV, gave him some pre-tape, but they were like, you know what? Let's leave this one breathe. Smart. Because the next time you pull him out, it's the strap up. Smart stuff. And I'm going to tell you, I'm really, really sick of people pretending to understand what they're watching, pretending to understand how wrestling works because they've been watching WWE, which is not wrestling. The WWE continuously tells us, and their fans keep telling us as well, keeps telling me, it's sports entertainment, Warren. Stop comparing it to wrestling. It's sports entertainment. It's not the same thing. All right, fine. So let's talk about pro wrestling here. You guys, the whole, for, I didn't have a chance to talk about this last week, but the whole Forbidden Door experience has been detrimental to me in understanding that there are so many people out there who have podcasts like myself, who or are in places of media authority, let's put it that way, who seem to think, seem to position themselves as understanding how the business works, but doesn't, but don't. They'll tell you, they'll be sitting at their podcast uh, microphone or in front of their keyboard, typing out words to tell you, the viewer, the reader, that Forbidden Door is going to fail, is going to do 90,000 views. It's going to be a disaster of a show. No one's going to ever want this again. No one knows who these Japanese wrestlers are. We need pre-tapes of, we need four-minute packages of uh, explaining to us who these people are. No one knows who they are. And it turns out, how did this turn out? How did Forbidden Door turn out? Forbidden Door turned out to be a massive gate. What, 1.2 million gate? 127,000 pay-per-view buys? And then the, the dynamite following the pay-per-view hits over a million in ratings, a million one, something like that. That, folks, is, that is all the, everything you need to know in regards to whether an event was successful or not. Plus, it, the Forbidden Door is a critical success as well. I haven't read a reviewer, uh, any of the reviewers that, uh, that I follow, that I trust, that I enjoy, I haven't seen anyone say this was a terrible show. I've seen glowing reviews. I've seen great reviews. I've, you know, uh, pay-per-view of the decade, so on and so forth, like, you know, all, all sorts of levels. But anyone, look, anyone who's been telling you that you've been listening to, following on Twitter, that you're subscribed to, that has been telling you that Forbidden Door was going to fail up until the show is proof that they have no idea what they're talking about. That they do not understand wrestling. It's proof. And they're not worth your time. They're grifting you. They've got an agenda. Whatever. They're saying things that a certain subset of fans want to hear. Whatever it is. That's not proper analysis. 
anyone with a brain. Anyone with a brain knew this was going to work out. The show sold out in minutes. And as I said in my preview, were the matches great? Was the setup fantastic? Was it, was, is the end result what we expected? No. No, absolutely not. This is, this is not what we expected. The card we got is not the card we wanted, but Jesus Christ, what a show. Million view, 127,000 buys. I had people saying it won't break 90,000. I heard a bunch of analysts saying if it breaks 100,000, it's a success. 127,000. My, I overshot. I said, you know what? I think my floor, 140,000. That's what I had called. Now, bullish, I was at like at 160, 165, something like that. But I said, like, I think my floor is 140. I'm not that far off. A little off. Not that far. I don't want to toot my horn all that much. If you're a regular listener, viewer, you know. You know I've been telling you guys. As we kept moving forward, this show will not fail business-wise. Quality, it did not fail either. No reason that this card, there was too much talent on this card to begin with for it to stink. But everything ruled. You don't think they're doing a second one next year? Are you nuts? You don't think they're going to do this next year? You don't think Tony Khan is scratching his head right now and he's going, ah, should we, should we go for a stadium? You don't think he's thinking that? You don't think he's talking with Obari right now in New Japan and Obari saying, could we do Forbidden Door in Tokyo next year? Anyone, and, 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 I, and, I, and I swear, I, I, anyone who was out there bitching and complaining week after week, I don't know who this is. I don't know who this is. But, it's only going to be men who want this show. It doesn't please the women. It's a bunch of nerds who want this. I think... I think that, look, there are things that AEW could have done better. And Tony Khan has talked about it and said, look, I was negotiating and we were rushed and the injuries. And I can understand that throws all sorts of monkey wrenches into all sorts of plans. Maybe he would have liked to have Kazuchika Okada a couple of weeks before. Absolutely. I'm 100% in agreement. But anyone, anyone who was... Up until that point, telling you all the nothing but bullshit about how this was failing and it was no good. Despite the fact that the Japanese talent shows up on Dynamite and people are popping out of their seats. Kazuchika Okada shows up on the go-home show. You hear the coin drop from Steam. People immediately, huge pop, trembling. They know who these people are. 
Maybe AEW could have done a better job, and I'm completely okay with that. But anyone pretending to be any kind of wrestling consort, analyst out there who is telling you that people don't know what's going on, they don't understand, that are telling you that you're stupid, do not deserve your time. Don't stand for being for being told that you're too dumb to understand what's going on. We had someone two weeks ago in the chat who was who was in this very chat saying something to the effect of, uh, uh, I, I tuned in, I didn't know who this guy was, but I looked him up or something to that effect. And that's what it's about. Even if you don't know who it is, you can go, you can go do a little research. When they were bringing great Muta into onto Nitro in the 90s, we didn't have Google to figure out who this guy was. And if you weren't into tape trading, you probably didn't know who he was. But you had Mike Tenay who was there to tell you that, you know, he's a big timer in New Japan, former IWGP champion, and so on and so forth. And you're like, oh, oh, okay, this is a big guy, a big deal. You know, oh, you know, Jushin Thunder Liger. Oh, yeah, okay, he's, he's also... Stop letting these people tell you that you're idiots. I will never steer you wrong. <laughs> Intentionally. No, but for real, like, I've, I've been, I don't pretend to have, like, this deep scientific knowledge of, 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 of business operations. But I've been around wrestling long enough to understand to understand behaviors, to understand to understand how the greater scheme of things comes together. If 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 AEW had decided to do a cross promotional event with Game Changer Wrestling, it would have been cool. Don't get me wrong; that still would be cool. But it wouldn't have the same. It's not the same impact. Then I wouldn't be sitting here telling you, well. I think uh, I think we're gonna get to 120,000 papes here. I don't know. You know, it's, like, it's not the same level. That's my camera. What's going on? I'm telling you, this new setup tonight. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to Wardlow. <laughs> Wardlow winning. Uh, this was a fine little match. You know, the rumor is that Scorpio Sky uh, had been working injured, right? And I think and I think this was set up to sort of mask that, maybe. Uh, you know, especially having uh, America Top Team dweebs in so that Wardlow could throw around. Like, I think this was all properly put together so that, uh, so that our boy... Um, so that our boy um, Sky could... Uh, could benefit from a little smoke and mirrors here because I think he's another guy who is who's who's suffering the injury bug as well. Um, so there's a powerbomb symphony that happens, and there we go. Um, little post mortem on Scorpio Sky's championship run, which I I often like to do. Um, so this was uh, this reign here was the second time. He uh, he ran with the TNT title after regaining it 
two weeks after losing it to Sammy Guevara. Uh, in his first run, he beat Sammy for the belt, then defeated Wardlow. But of course, there were shenanigans involved in that uh, in that time. Uh, then lost to Sammy at Battle of the Belts 2. Then during his second run, uh, after defeating Sammy again for the belt, he defeated Frankie Kazarian, Dante Martin, and then lost to Wardlow. He never defended his title on pay-per-view, despite the combined total uh, 107-day uh, run with the title. Overall, I would consider his title run to be lackluster. Uh, I, uh, I I think that the there were a lot of panic decisions that were made around the TNT title uh, once Cody left uh, that I think hurt the title, but also hurt uh, those who were uh, who held it. I think Sammy was on the ass end of that as well, uh, and uh, and Scorpio Sky uh, too. Um, weird decision to turn Scorpio Sky heel again after like becoming super baby face with. Uh, naturally turned uh, Sammy Guevara. I think it's a very weird decision. A, a very, very weird decision to do. Um, I think it probably would have been more successful. Uh, there probably would have been a lot more juice to squeeze out of this one had he been uh, had he been a babyface. I don't know why they did it. I really don't. Wardlow, though, champion. It works for me. Uh, and as I was saying, look, all these people saying Wardlow's cooled off, you know, it's like, oh, it's, he's not hot anymore. Look at the reaction when he won. Look at when he started doing. People love, 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 love Wardlow. He is absolutely fine. His, uh, his entire push has been fantastic from top to bottom. So this reign, his reign right here, it needs a... Uh, a sustained long-term run. I think there, there is some rehabilitation that could be that can be done to the TNT title here. But see, this is this is the issue here. Can Wardlow careen through a whole bunch of opponents moving forward? Right? This is where I'm interested to see where they're gonna go with this. Can he go? He can just like keep plowing through opponents one after the other moving forward, he's going to have to get some challenges. Um, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of mix we get here. And of course, people are already talking about who's going to defeat him. And I'm like, Jesus, let the guy walk out with a strap at least once. You know what I mean? And uh, well, look, if you ask me, I think it's Miro. I think Wardlow Miro is the match. We're already talking about who's going to take the belt off. Anyway, the final match. During the evening, we have uh, well, we had the first of of two backstage segments with uh, Mark Sterling and Tony Nese. I'm going to combine both of them here because we had another one later on. Um, he's walking around with a petition to get Shane Swerve Scott and Scott Strickland, Shane Strickland, Shane Swerve Squickland. Um, the, um, uh, he's, uh, he's got a petition to get Swerve fired is what I'm trying to say. And, uh, 
he get comes up to Keith Lee saying, you know, he backstabbed you. Why don't you get it? And Keith Lee's like, I ain't signing that. What are you talking about? Then later on, he runs into Orange Cassidy to try and get him to sign it. And Orange Cassidy says, I'm not signing anything without my lawyer present. Who is his lawyer? It's Danhausen, who has this great exchange with <laughs> Orange Cassidy and Sterling, you know, with with legal ling- lingo and mumbo jumbo. I thought I thought it was pretty funny. But this set up Orange Cassidy versus Tony Nice at Rampage. So, uh, and if Tony wins, then Orange Cassidy has to sign uh, the opinion, uh, the uh, petition. But he can also sign an opinion if he wants. It's technically a, peti- a petition is an opinion. It's your agreeing with this opinion here where, you know, I'm of the opinion that Swerve should be fired. Yes, I agree. Let me sign here. Kind of thing. You know, it's like, a, it's like making your opinion really official. All right, the Christian promo. Um, um, I'm not gonna break it down. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna walk this. I'm not gonna walk us through it. Um, you know what happened, and uh, and Matt Hardy showed up. You know, y- 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 y'all know what happened. Um, and the pro, you know, the 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 issue I have with the promo is that he he being. Christian um, started talking about uh, how much Jeff Hardy started ranting on Jeff Hardy and how much of an embarrassment he is uh, to Matt and so on and so forth. Uh, this will come to the shock of no one who's been a longtime listener and even people who've been, you know, who listened to me when I was at Fightful. This will come to the surprise of no one that I don't, I don't like this. I don't like it at all. There's nothing I there's nothing I don't like. There's nothing I like about this. Um, because Jeff is currently suffering. You know, uh he is he is right in the middle of of it all. Like he's currently in trouble, you know, his own self and legally as well. I I think this is extremely crass. Um, and it's not it. You know, I may have overlooked it and just be like, okay, if it had been, if it had been a one-off comment, you know, just like a, because, because Christian said something to the effect, you know, you're starting to make your, your, your brother sound like the sober one, right? I'm like, oh, okay. That's, that's fucking nasty, but okay. You know, it's kind of like when he, when he, he, he used the Marco line, you know, like remember what happened to Marco when he said that to Luchasaurus, right? It's a one-off thing, and you're like, okay, we never reference it again. But no, uh, Christian doubled down on it. He tripled down on it. You know, told Matt, uh, you know, uh, you turned a blind eye to your brother's issues for one last run. Matt is more embarrassing to the family than his screw-up brother. Like this, Jeff is in trouble. He's in a crisis. He's in crisis right now. And let's recap, right? Just to make sure that we get this. Just two weeks ago, Jeff Hardy was charged after being arrested for driving under the influence. Following a traffic stop on June 13th, authorities said Hardy's blood alcohol level was more than three times the legal limit. 
the charges against Hardy include a third DUI offense within 10 years, which is a felony in the state of Florida. Hardy is also charged with driving with a suspended or revoked license and a violation of restrictions placed on his driver's license. This matter isn't even resolved. He has a court date placed on August 8th. He's pleading not guilty. He, as I said, he is currently in crisis. A legal crisis, a mental crisis, a physical crisis. But no, let's go right ahead and let's make an angle out of it. Let, let, let's do it. Now, I know it's hard to understand, but an addict's brain functions differently than yours and mine. It's, it's wired to find itself into situations where it can get the fix and get what, you know, what it, what's missing whether it be alcohol, drugs, whatever. That's how an addict, an addict, uh, an addict's brain works. And you look as an addict, you will look for reasons to justify what you're doing. Maybe Jeff is like, look, look, ah, they're using it for heat. It's great. And this is blurring reality with fiction. And I've said it multiple times in all sorts of circumstances. Once you start doing that, it is usually a sign of creative bankruptcy. And a lot of people don't like that. But for some reason, this is okay. Right? There's a little... When you hear about the MJF stuff and for, you know, when we start talking about shoot promos and oh, I wish they kept that apart, you know, but then this stuff happens like, nah. I'm sure everyone was okay with this. I'm sure that they got all the permissions needed. Who the fuck cares? Who cares if everyone was okay with this? As if a boneheaded decision can only be taken by one person. You can make stupid decisions in a committee. It doesn't excuse anything. Think this is good for Jeff? Jeff said it was all right. Jeff's not well. That's the thing a lot of people can't wrap their heads around. And I'm probably doubly shocked here because I expect more. I expect better out of AEW. 
I didn't expect to see this kind of shit happen. Not this level. As I think this is trash. And yes, I'm going hard and I'm pumping the brakes on this because I, I don't want this to become a thing. I don't want this to become... It, no, it's not a long-term angle like they did with Jeff Hardy and Sheamus back then. And if you remember, if y'all were around when I was doing the, the SmackDown post shows with Sean over on Fightful, week in and week out, I buried the fucking thing. Because it was trash. Because Jeff is, he's out of rehab. He's doing better. And we're going to present him, we're going to put him in these types of situations where he get he has to relive decisions he's made or put him in places where he's like, he should not be, where he shouldn't be around, bottled and bullshit like that. And they made a whole fucking long angle out of it and I hated every second of it. Am I going hard here? Yes. Do you know why? Because I expect better. Because what WWE did... That's the kind of bullshit that I'm like, yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, it's on par with what they usually do. It's in character for WWE to do this kind of bullshit angle. AW, though, I'm shocked. I'm a little shocked. And this is a promotion that gave time to John Moxley coming out of his rehab straight out the gate on a dynamite. To just tell the fans what happened, what's going on, to show some vulnerability. To put a guy who, who went through a struggle and is doing everything he can to pull himself out of it. Went to rehab, got, got himself back into shape, got his head screwed back on tight. He's in recovery. And he's put in a position for us to applaud him. A guy in the audience heckling him. And John Moxley calls them out and people cheer in the audience. And now we're going to shame Jeff Hardy. We're going to do a complete 160. We're going to let Moxley show some vulnerability and be applauded for it. But Jeff, we're going to shit on. Is, is that what I'm understanding? This, this is what we're going to do here. Guys, I don't know if you realize that this is the legacy that of Jeff Hardy now. Wherever he goes, he's the drunk. He's the guy who can't control himself. This is Jeff Hardy's legacy. This is what... Because we can't separate the conversations anymore. Oh, well, it's wrestling, you know, there's always a bit of reality. When there's always a little bit, really? I don't know. I'm not ready to say that. There sometimes is. But these people are supposed to be characters in a fictional setting. And you're bringing in very, very, very real issues. Terrible issues. They're affecting a man who is a performer. A father, a husband, a brother. It, 
if you can't see this for being fucking callous to be capitalizing on this, to be using this in a fucking angle, I don't know what to tell you. You got to do what you got to do to get over. The fuck does Christian have to? What Christian? Matt Hardy getting over? What the fuck are you talking about? We all, and we all said the same things when when Scott Hall started playing off of it, the fact that he was drunk. When his own when his own struggle with demons back in the nineties were starting to be very very prevalent. Well, then he oh he drunk Scott Hall right and Road Warrior Hawk right same thing when he climbed the Titan Tron to threaten uh, to threaten to kill himself to throw himself off right all these jolly wonderful times all these great memorable moments that really helped those characters get over right. Those were crucial moments in the history of the legacies of Scott Hall and Road Warrior Hawk that really elevated their careers, right? It's so weird to me that we still lean into this bullshit in an industry that has a very, very precocious relationship with addiction, with alcoholism, with pill, with prescription medication, with steroids. And we're just throwing this out. Angles. It's entertainment. This is this just fucking real life. Three times. Three times the level of alcohol in his bloodstream. He could have killed himself. He could have killed someone else. He could have pulled a Sunny. And, and is that the moment it becomes serious? And then it's persona non grata. And then we don't talk about it anymore. No, we can't make, we can't pull this in an angle anymore. Because now it's tragic. It's tragic already. We're, I hope to hell. And I said this back then with the Seamus thing. And I'm saying it again. I hope to hell. That nothing truly tragic happens to Jeff. I really don't. Because we are all going to look back at everything going on here and we're going to be like, man, why didn't we do anything? Why weren't we, why weren't people accepting of this? Man, history is going to reflect extremely poorly. Because Jeff has a legitimate problem. He has a legitimate problem. And I think the wrestling business is not good for him. Because he got his act back together before getting back to WWE. And now look look at where he is. Look at where he's back. He's back. Back to the same problems. Back to the same issues. I swear. We're going to look back on this in 20 years. Just like with Scott Hall. Just like with Road Warrior Hawk. And we're going to be like, yeah, man, this was poor taste. This sucked. This should have never happened. Because we're validating. We're enabling. As weird as it sounds, this is enabling. 
This is not a condemnation of what he's doing. If, if it was a condemnation of what Jeff is doing, Jeff would be persona non grata right now. He wouldn't be mentioned at all. And it's cheap heat. If you, you can, you can agree to disagree with everything I just said, and I don't care, whatever you, because this is something I sincerely and truly believe. But we have to come to terms with the fact that this, at the very least, at its very basic core, this is cheap heat. And Christian is better than that. He's much better than that. And I'll tell you what, one thing Christian got right in his promo. He got one thing right in his promo. And that's the thing where he, where he said, Matt was just writing Jeff's coattails. Because it was a creatively bankrupt decision to set up a throwaway match between Luchasaurus and Matt Hardy, for fuck's sake. To give it some, oh, it has to have some kind of heat. Let's move on. Claudio and Jake Hager are standing face to face. They're looking menacing. You remember they used to be this great tag team in WWE? <laughs> uh, said he isn't as tough and he's never been a world champion. Hager says this to Claudio. You've never been a world champion, not in Ring of Honor, not in WWE. Unlike myself. And you'll never be a world champion in AEW. And I'm like, there we go. There's the thing. This is the this is this is the seed that's been planted, folks. Claudio Castagnoli is going to be an AEW world champion, Mark Edwards. I you know, I like this. I I, I like the confrontation, it made sense. But people keep telling me, you know what? The, hey, this this match is gonna be good. Hager's been improving. And I'm like, what Hager's been improving? How do you how do you because he's been hitting his spots in these multi-man matches that he's been doing. Okay. When where is this where is this this grand revelation that Jake Hager is suddenly like he's been improving he's so good now? I don't when did this happen? Where where are the where are these extraordinary singles matches that will change my mind? Look, Claudio can get a could get a good match out of anyone. So, it, it, you know, he's about to prove it. <laughs> you ask me, because I, I don't know what people are talking about. And we had a tag team match. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland defeated the Butcher and the Blade. This is a fine match. Nothing special. It was all right. Lee tosses Blade into Butcher. Lee accident, accidentally then pounces Swerve. We get some great near falls from... Uh, Butcher and Blade, uh, the hometown Rochester crowd are excited. Uh, they do this uh, thrown knee strike combo and a pumping bomber by Butcher as well. But Swerve in their glory get the win, and I'm kind of surprised. Kind of surprised uh, Butcher and the Blade didn't get the hometown win here. Perpetuate Keith Lee and Swerve, you know, being at odds, but. Then I started to understand, oh, this is why they did it. I get it. Now, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs come out, call themselves grown-ass men, and Starks goes nuts. What a fucking great promo this guy is. Ricky Starks, man. 
Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks is everything WWE would want Austin Theory to be. I'm, I, I'm telling you. Uh, he goes nuts about Lee and Swerve being on lower levels than them and then so on and so forth. But then the young bucks come out and they say, look, we're the best tag team. And they make a three-way match for next week at the Fighter Fest. Fight, fight for the Fight for the Fest. Fighter Fest show. And another three-way. I'm like, that's all we've been having for the tag teams recently. I'm, I'm not into it. I'm not into it all that much. I'm not going to lie. Love the spontaneous FTR chances, chance though. When the Bucks come out and they start talking about, you know, best tag teams and whatnot and people immediately jump into FTR chance. Chef's kiss. See, FTR got themselves over by wrestling. They're at the, this is the biggest push that they've got in their entire career and they're making the most of it by wrestling, not by cutting asinine promos. Just want to point that out. We get a pre-tape backstage, Malachi Black for Brody King. Then Kingston hits the ring with Tony Schiavone, congratulates the Blood and Guts team for his vic for their victory last week. And even Claudio, even Claudio, <laughs> what did he say? He says, I'm getting older, I'm maturing. <laughs> Which got a good a good laugh out of me. Uh, and uh, Jericho then appears on the Tony Tron. And uh, he and the Jericho Appreciation Society with Ty Conti. Of course, she's in that too. Um, she, uh, they ambush Ruby Soho and slam a car door on her arm. Uh, the execution maybe wasn't all there, but you get the idea. John Bello, nice to see you and welcome to the chat. Everyone who's left of the Dark Order is in the ring. There are like six of them now. And uh, they're there with Brody Jr. too. Uh, uh, Uno says that uh, this is a new beginning for the Dark Order. And there's a proclamation and Brody Jr. should be the one who says it. But QT Marshall comes out to interrupt and he says he wants to fight. Minus one, negative one. He wants to fight Brody. He wants to fight a fucking 10-year-old. And he tells everyone, get out of the ring. I'm going to beat this kid up. Hangman Page's music hits. He runs in, grabs QT and sends him into the Dark Order, who then ping-pong him with all sorts of offense. Of course, they're doing this because it's Rochester, Brody Lee, the connection. Anyway. They beat the shit out of QT. And then they give the mic to uh, Brody Jr. Who says, I'm not going to pin you. I'm going to wait till I'm 19. There you go. I think, I think, that's, I think that's cool. Look. It was a, I, think, I think they should do this. I, but look, I love the Dark Order. I, absolutely, I have always been... A big fan of them. I don't know what they're. I don't know what the Dark Order is anymore, though. It are they? Are they? Are they still the lovable goofballs? Um, what are they? Like I don't know what they are. 
That's my only thing. But, you know, if you are going to, like, this is fine. You, you do this segment in Rochester for all the, the, the appropriate reasons, and it was fine. Uh, it was fine. Got Hangman out. Hangman still loves his, his Dark Order buddies. You know, it's fine. Kurt Meister, welcome to the chat. Uh, let's see. Jim Ross then comes out on commentary. They started doing this now. He doesn't do the full shows. He does Rampage. They're putting him on Rampage now. Anyway, he comes out to do commentary right on time for a Lucha match, which is a choice. <laughs> Jim, Jim Ross calling Lucha. All right. Uh, and uh, that match was Roosh defe defeating Penta Oscuro. This was Pretty fun. Uh, Lucha arm drags by Penta on the floor. Back in the ring, he eats a, he eats a huge forearm by Roosh. Jumping on Hilo by Penta. German by Roosh. And a great snap power slam as well. Open hand chops. Head butts. A leaping knee strike by Roosh and a senton bomb. Uh, Penta hits the rolling cutter and the fear factor. But Andrade puts Roosh's foot on the ropes. There's a distraction. A low blow by Roosh. Mask of Penta is taken off. He's completely vulnerable. Plus his nuts hurt. Penta eats the the, the, the pin here. Uh, great stuff. Well, not great. It was, fun. it was a fun match, but not great. Fun. Um, then we get the Acclaimed and the Gun Club defeating Fuego del Sol and Ruffin' It. Of course, uh, the uh, the team of uh, Bear Boulder, Bear Bronson, and Leon Ruffin. Uh, I look. I'm glad that we are moving on from this. I know. Look, I know. I am in the. I am in the one percent of people who was systematically annoyed at everything the acclaimed and the ass boys were doing together i i'm i'm not even a fan of max caster and I, i'm on record with this this is not like i think you know the raps whatever maybe it's, i've seen this before but you know what this is a it's all been too sports entertaining for my tastes this whole acclaimed uh gun club stuff i'm i wasn't into it i would and I know a lot of people are heartbroken and disappointed and, you know, whatever. I'm just glad we're moving on. And the acclaimed are turning babyface. And look, I, I'm i an Anthony Bowens guy. I'll t Anthony Bowens, my dude. I love Anthony Bowens. Everyone else, I'm like, just, you know, Austin Gunn is, uh, he's just he's just waiting for Bruce Pritchard to give him a call. So let's. I, we're just moving on from this, and that you know, it does nothing, and, and it's fine if you like it. Like I have, like there's no real fault to it. Me, it just, it, it just annoys me. This is not. It, it, it's not what I really like in wrestling. You know what I mean? Especially since, well, I think you know, I think, I think the Gun Club and uh, I think the Gun Club and. Um, 
and the acclaimed are average. You know, I think they're very, very average wrestlers. So it's like I, I don't see. There's nothing that got, that's getting me excited about this. I'm like, let's just move on. Anthony Bowens, though he rules. Uh, we get a great Miro pre-tape promo, and look, honestly, honestly, let's be honest with each other. If you if you are not on board with Miro promos, we can't be friends. I'm kidding. We can be friends anyway. But man, man. And we had a tag team match where Marina Shafir and Nyla Rose took on Thunderstorm. Thunderstorm. I don't know what that's about. But I don't know what it's about. And they gave themselves a name. Look, fun little match. It was all right. Shafir and Nyla came out with umbrellas because of a thunderstorm. You get it? Hurricane Rana by, Thun- by, uh, by Tony Storm. And a drop toe hold, assisted missile dropkick by Rosa, double snap suplex by the baby faces. Lots of quick in and out tags. Shafir is eating it early on. Um, Nyla Rose hits a storm with an umbrella, though. Shafir hits a fireman's carry slam, and the heels are in control for a while. Sent on by Nyla, but then there's a flying crossbody by Thunder Rosa. Rosa hits the running basement dropkick twice, goes for the third time but runs into a Nyla Rose Urinagi instead. Pump handle throw by Shafir, hip attack by Thunder Rosa, and the planted Thunder Fire driver gets the win for the babyface. Fun little match, it was fine. I'm, you know, I'm okay with, uh, you know, I saw people as a wise women's world champion in the tag team. She has a friend. Why couldn't she have a friend? And they get along well with each other. They had their match. There's respect. And they decided to form a tag team and give themselves a cute name. But that doesn't mean she's in a tag team. And we're if we're going to get more women on TV, that's fine. More reps. Let's do it. Jade Cargill tells uh, Stokely Hathaway to cut the shit. No, she tells Tony to cut the shit. And then turns to Stoke and says, what the hell's going on? Then he says he's hired Layla Gray as an, as an interim baddie, which you know is Stokely taking a, a, a proper, just a, a nice, little, nice little comedic shot at, um, uh, at the, uh, Tony Khan and his love for interim stuff. Um, and, uh, and he says, you know, it's to even up the numbers, you know? It's like, I prefer three-on-two than on two-on-two, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, but no one's really convinced that Layla Gray belongs in the group. And even Stoke is like, you know, he puts his arm around her and she, like, shrugs him off. And just brilliant, brilliant Stokely stuff again. Daniel Garcia cuts a promo on Wheeler Yuta backstage to set up a match of death before dishonor for the Pure Championship. If you have not seen the Iron Man match that Wheeler and Garcia put on last year at uh, at the at a Beyond show for the independent wrestling title, before all these beautiful dudes got called up to AEW, you should go check that out. 
because that will definitely wet your whistle for this pure match. And that's fantastic stuff. Um, uh, and FTR cut a promo on how they want the Briscoes versus FTR 2 at death before dishonor. And this is what I wanted to talk about earlier with the super chat from, from Throwback. Um, this is the difference here. Like, you know, I saw a lot of already, they're, giving, they're running this back already. Why not? If you have, look, no one, I saw no one be mad about this. I saw people going, this is strange that you're running it so soon. Why wouldn't you? What's the alternative? If the guys are healthy, they're good to go. They're, they're ready to go. Do the match. Otherwise, you can wait like the other company does and you never capitalize on the match that you have at hand. Go for it. I'm okay with this. Run it again. It probably won't look. I don't know. I don't, I don't even want to. I was going to say something stupid. I don't even want to do any speculation at this point. Plus, you know, it works to bring it, it to bring the Briscoes in, right? You got to have some of that real deal um, Ring of Honor talent, right? Like the Briscoes, who aren't in AEW but have that Ring of Honor connection, right? And in our main event, John Moxley defeated Brody King to retain. The interim AW World title. Ooh, fun little match. Solid, but you know, missing that second gear. You know what I mean? Brody King is in control early on. He's got lariats and forearms, and Mox is selling the fact that BK is a he's a huge hill to climb. Like he's just selling those shots. They fight on the floor, back body drop by King, tosses Moxley over a table. Back in the ring, Mox starts to work the legs of King. They trade some strikes. A boss man slam by Brody King. Huge chop as well. Moxley avoids the corner cannonball. Instead, he does his corner back rake, the bite, and the superplex. Dragon suplex follows up. The head stomps. Uh, there's, some forearm there's a forearm exchange and a huge lariat by Brody King. Followed by a pile driver. He sits on the top rope corner and he chokes Mox. The running corner cannonball connects this time. But paradigm shift, hammer and, anvil bull, uh, hammer and anvil shots and the bulldog choke. Get the win for Jonathan Moxley. Like I said, fun little main event. Um, but just missed that second gear. It, there, there was something missing. Um, I don't know. An all right show. Like I said, mixed bag. Nothing really stood out. Nothing was terrible either. You know, kind of stuff that happens sometimes. And that wraps up the weekly wrestling inspection. Just as we're wrapping up, I want to say hello to Kristen Ashley, the first lady of the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Yeah. All right, look, I know I'm behind on 
the, the nice things about Bill Goldberg because I miss a couple of weeks. I will catch up. Trust me. I'm, I'm, I'm true to my word. 52 nice things. That's, it, there will be 52 nice things said about Bill Goldberg. People are insufferable. But still, you people are very nice to have hung out here and listened to the Mr. Warren Hayes Show to its completion. Uh, if you are uh, watching this on demand right now, do consider leaving a, a, a like, uh, subscribing uh, to the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel, becoming a member as well. The, all that stuff is very much appreciated. You listening to this on your favorite podca podcast application? Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Five-star ratings on, on Spotify. Anything to show some love on your podcast app. That stuff really, really helps grow the podcast quite a bit. In the meantime, thank you everyone for joining me this evening. I hope you have a great rest of your week. And, uh, and you enjoy all the wrestling that is still coming up our way. If everything goes well, we'll see each other next week. Thanks for being here. See you next time.